Jason. Thanks for uh, jumping in with us. We are in this series called Jesus and Galilee, and uh, the first message that we did, we talked about how Jesus prepares and how when he went across the sea to uh, deliver the demoniac, that he was on a pillow, and what was that pillow? And if you look at just uh, the precedence in Scripture of God providing skins for Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness and how uh, the father clothed his son when he came back uh, from riotous living and, and then also how uh, Psalms talks about uh, how God clothes us with righteousness, uh, an argument can be made that when Jesus went over and he was on a pillow, that that pillow is actually the clothes that uh, clothed the demoniac, that after Jesus healed him, he also covered his nakedness and and, uh, and how God is a God who prepares. And even as he said that, uh, you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies every morning. God prepares for us the healing that we need, the wisdom that we need. And when we wake up in the morning, and there's this invitation every single day that God has for us to enter his presence and to give us everything that we need. And so many times we kind of push that off to do other things in our lives. But, uh, you know, the same way that... Um, you know, your spouses, um, my wife, mothers, they prepare dinner for their kids. One of the worst offenses that can happen is if you call your mom and you say, hey, I'm not coming for dinner, and she made this, like, huge, nice platter of food for you. God makes this platter for us every single day, and, um, and when we respond to it, we get everything that we need. Uh, the, second, the second message that we talked about is how Jesus is uh, the only thing that we need when there seems like there's no answers. How many of you have ever been in a position where there hasn't been a very clear answer uh, of direction or a clear answer of where you need to be? And we talked about the Sea of Galilee and how the disciples are smack dab in the middle of a storm and all the wind was pushing them to the middle of the, uh, of the sea. And there was no right position. There was no right direction. There was only a right person, and that person was Jesus this, as soon as Jesus stepped into the boat, John chapter 6, it says that immediately, everyone say immediately, immediately they found themselves on the shore. Something happened where uh, there was no right direction, there was no position, it was the right person. And when Jesus was in the boat, he solved the problem. And so in our lives, a lot of times we find that we're in a position where we don't, we're disoriented, we don't know what the right direction is, we don't know what the answer is. And what the answer really is, is Jesus himself. Amen? Like being in his presence. And one of the things that, that I find that w with increasing value to me is just cruising with God in the morning. And um, I think it was Mother Teresa, they were interviewing her and they said, what do you do when you spend time with God? And she says, I, I just sit there and I listen. And then the interviewer said, huh, well, what does he say? And she said, he says nothing. He listens. And a lot of times when we spend time together with God, it doesn't have to be efficient. It doesn't have to be productive. It's just spending time with him, and from that time flows the solutions throughout our day. We start thinking of things, we, ideas come, different opportunities present itself, and it's because of that time that we spend in the morning with him. And so the answer to our problems is not a right direction, a right position, but it's a right person. Can you say amen to that? It's a right person. And so today... This is a little bit different message. We're going to end our series with Jesus on Galilee. <clears throat> but what I wanted to explore with you is kind of Zach, um, three years ago, he had a gender reveal party for uh, his, his child. 
And uh, how many of you are familiar with the, the term gender reveal? That was never a part of, like, when I, ha I have four kids, none of them had a gender reveal party. We were just like, okay, we're having a boy, we're having a girl, you know, like, and, uh, and that's the way we did it. But now everything's more elaborate, everything's more like, you know, and, uh, and so Zach invited us to his house for this gender reveal, had food for everybody, had a party. And uh, in the style of Zach Federo, he did the gender reveal with a paintball gun. And uh, I guess you can order a paintball that explodes into different colors. And so he had, a, he had a target, and everybody was waiting in anticipation, and he shot the paintball. It hit the target, and poof, this big pink cloud of powder uh, came out, and everyone's like, it's a girl! And, you know, everyone's all, ha all happy. Um, so now he has a beautiful daughter, Zemi. And uh, is, is Zemi here? She's outside. And so, um, so I was thinking about that. And how many of you know that Jesus, when he was on earth, he did the most elaborate identity reveal party ever recorded in history? And nobody can do a greater identity reveal than what Jesus did when he was with his disciples. Now, when I tell this story and when we go through scripture, you're going to have to be a little bit creative because you already know that Jesus is the Son of God. You already know that Jesus is the Lamb of God, right? We all know that. It's common sense. But back then, nobody knew who Jesus was. There was a lot of questions about the identity of who he was, and the way that he chose to reveal it was, was through the process of an elaborate and very long uh, history in the nation of Israel and finally to his disciples. And so I want to take you through that process this morning. And so you need to pretend to erase everything that you know about Jesus Christ being the Son of God, Jesus Christ being the Lamb of God. Can you guys do that? Yeah, yeah. Just go, and it's just like all gone. Because then it's like a little bit more um, uh, exciting. Yeah, it's just like we all know Zemi's a girl now. So the gender reveal is like, yeah, yeah. But the way that Jesus did it was amazing. So um, we're going we're gonna to jump into that today. Um, let's read this scripture, John 6, 28 and 29 together at the count of three. One, two, three. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. Um, one of the questions that I ask when I read through the Gospels is why does God do miracles? And he answers that question in John chapter 6. The reason why God did miracles, the reason why he did everything was so that people would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when I, once I understood that, then everything made sense because when I first got saved, I was telling the first service, when, the, when I first got saved, every prayer that I prayed, God answered. I, I remember I said, I'm going to give you one year of my life. And anything that I feel like you're telling me to do, I'm just going to step out and do it. And you need to show me that you're real. And if you don't show me that you're real, then I'm going to party next year because that's what all my friends are doing. But if you show me you're real, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. So I had, you know, this deal with God. And through the course of that year, he just showed me answer to prayer after answer to prayer after answer to prayer. And um, he showed me while I was surfing. He showed me before I went surfing on the beach. Like, he would tell me to go, like, 
give money to homeless people and, and to, to give all my money away. And then, like, the next day, my grandpa would just out of the blue give me money. And, like, just crazy stories that whole year. After that year, I would pray, and it would feel like God wouldn't do anything, and my prayers weren't answered. And I'd be like, what's going on with this? How many of you have ever experienced that, these, these seasons in your life? And it was as if God was saying, you already know that I'm real, and now I want you to use your prayers to reach other people. I want you, to, now that you know that I'm real, you have the greatest miracle. You have everlasting life. There's no miracle that's greater than knowing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is the Lamb of, the Lamb of God. And so once you have the greatest miracle, God will still show himself faithful in, in prayers and answers to prayer, but but we come to the place of maturity where we know that even if we pray for provision, that provision one day will fail. We pray, for, we pray for healing, one day that person will die. No matter what we pray, it's a temporary answer to prayer except the prayer of having Jesus in our lives. That one lasts forever. And so that's the greatest miracle of all. And all miracles are directed to that end. Amen? Amen. So... Um, what I want to do this morning is kind of lay kind of the groundwork of how Jesus did this identity reveal party. Are you guys interested in how he did this identity reveal party? And, uh, and have an appreciation for it and then get some lessons out of it. So I'm, I'm not going to go through every story, every miracle in detail. I'm going to kind of just throw it out there, give you the reference, and if you want to jump in and read it, you can go ahead and read it. But for time's sake, I'm just going to kind of go over um, uh, just the big ideas of, of what uh, Jesus did with these different miracles that led to the revealing of who he was. So the first thing I want to talk about is the culture. So Jesus was dropped into uh, when Rome was the world power, but one of the things in the culture of that day was uh, the Jewish people were under the authority of the Roman government, and Jews, for their existence from the time uh, where they came out of Egypt, they practiced Passover. How many of you are familiar with Passover? Raise your hand if you understand the, the, everything that goes on during Passover. So, Passover was a feast that they were to celebrate at the beginning of every year. It was the first month of the year. You can throw that slide up. I think it's slide number two. Uh, but it was in the first month of the year, and on the 10th day of the first month... Oh, oh, can you go to the, the previous slide? Um, so the origin of Passover was when the Jews were taken out of Israel, I mean out of Egypt, and the angel of death passed over uh, the doorposts of the houses that had the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And so they were to kill the lamb, put the blood over the doorposts, the angel of death passed over, and the firstborn of Egypt were slaughtered uh, by this angel of death. And then through that, Pharaoh released the people, and they, the Red Sea parted, and they were able to exit. Um, from that time, every single year, they were to practice this Passover tradition, and so, um, what were the elements of the Passover tradition? Let's look at the next slide, please. Um, the purpose was to remember the deliverance from the bondage of Egypt and to give thanks by separating themselves from leaven, which represents sin, and waving a sheaf of the first fruits of the coming harvest before the Lord. So, uh, there would be the beginning harvest that would, uh, 
little grains would come out of the ground and they would take the, the, first, uh, the first harvest, the sheaves of the first fruits of harvest, and wave it before God and say, God, thank you that for giving us this early harvest. We give this to you in faith, believing for a great harvest later. So that would happen at the beginning of Passover. Uh, the Passover event, remembered was that the blood of a lamb saved them from the angel of death, that they were set free from slavery in Egypt. They walked through the Red Sea, and Pharaoh was defeated. So in that culture, with all Jesus' disciples, they practiced this all the time. They practiced uh, the Passover every single year. The same way that we practice Christmas, they practiced Passover. So what were the things that they had to do during Passover or that they celebrated uh, during Passover? Can you go to the next slide, please? So the Feast of Passover... It happened in the first month. Everyone say first month. And the preparation began on the 10th. Everyone say the 10th. The 10th and the lamb was killed on the 14th. So there was four days between the setting aside of this perfect lamb and then the killing of it on the 14th day. Uh, it had to be a perfect lamb without blemish that was set apart. And then the whole house had to participate in killing it. The whole house killed it, and there was nothing left in the morning. Um, no bones to be broken on this lamb. So you can see already all the different things that are parallels with Jesus, that he was the perfect lamb that was slain. The whole house of Israel shouted out to crucify him. There was nothing left in the morning. The body was taken down. Uh, before uh, the evening, and that there was no bones. Out of the three people that were crucified, Jesus was the only one where no bones were broken. The other two thieves, uh, their legs were broken to accelerate the process of their death. So these are the, the details of the Passover. And every single year, every single year, the disciples that Jesus was with, from the time that they were born, from the time they experienced life, they practiced this every single year. They were very familiar with the celebration of the exodus of Egypt by doing the Passover. So that's the context of what Jesus, um, uh, where Jesus was born, uh, the people that, the, the practices of the people around him, including his disciples. Um, so the miracles of Jesus. Now I want you to think, well, what was the first miracle in Cana? You guys remember? Turning water to wine, right. So the first miracle that Jesus did was turning water to wine. Did he say anything? When he turned the water to wine, did he say anything about his identity? No, he didn't say anything. He just was like, you guys need beer at this party? Bing! You know, fill up these things with water and turn the water into wine. In doing that, he showed that he had control over time because it takes time for grape juice to ferment. And when he instantly turned water into wine, he was saying that he is over time. Uh, in the beginning, God created, right? So God is over time. Um, so that was a, that's a miracle. Another miracle is a little bit later. Uh, he's walking from, uh, through Samaria, and he sees a woman at the well, and he asks this woman for her to give him water. And she says, why are you asking me? You're a Jew. And he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Did he say he was living water? No, he said, I have living water, and anyone who drinks of this water will never thirst again. And she's like, how do I get this water? Give me this water. And did he say anything about him being the water? No, he said, 
he said, go and get your husband. And then he prophesied over her. He said, the person that you're living with, that's not your husband. In fact, you had five other guys that didn't work out with. And she's like, how do you know this? And he said, this savior, this person that you're looking for, you're looking at him. And then so she runs, she tells everybody, and there's this huge revival in Samaria. That's his, the miracle. The miracle's purpose was to turn people to the Messiah, to Jesus. The next one, so imagine you're a disciple, and you see these different things happening. You don't know if this is a prophet. You, don't, you know he's a really special man, but do you know if he's the son of God? They didn't, they couldn't figure, they didn't know yet who he was. They're trying to piece it together. Another a miracle that Jesus uh, did, the paralytic man, where he looked at this man and, and, and he was paralyzed. He was, his friends dropped him from the roof, right? And he's teaching all these Pharisees all over the place, drops him from the roof. And instead of healing him right away, he's looking at all the Pharisees and he looks at this paralyzed man and he tells this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. And immediately, all the Pharisees are like, who is this guy? Who is this man who thinks that he can forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. And all the disciples are watching. They want to see what Jesus is going to do. And Jesus says, what's harder, to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? And he says, but so you know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sin, I tell you to rise and walk. And what happened? He, wrote, he got up and walked. And so Jesus slowly is proving who he is or giving glimpses of who he is. Turns water to wine, gives water, living water to someone and says, I have living water. And then he says that he has the power to forgive sin, but he doesn't, he doesn't say that he's God yet. And then the feeding of the 5,000, and, and we spent some time on this last week, but the feeding of the 5,000 was so awesome because I was thinking about, like, you know, who Jesus is, that he is, like, he was a carpenter before he was the Messiah. Mike's a carpenter. Michael's a carpenter. He's just like Jesus. And, uh, but I mean, you know, that if you're God and you're a carpenter, you must make some pretty good stuff, right? And he said that he's going to prepare a place for us. I would pay Mike, like, tons of money to build me a house, because I know he, he would do a really good job. But Jesus, the son of God, he already said that he's like building me a house with no supply chain issues, with no like waiting for cabinets and, and sending the wrong parts and like all that kind of crazy stuff. Like Jesus right now, he's like making a place for you. He said that he's making a place for me. And how many believe that the house that God is making us is a whole lot better than anything that's here. He's a, he's a car, but how many of you know that he's also a good baker? Right? Because he made bread. He multiplied the bread and multiplied the fish and gave everybody this bread. How, how, how good do you think this bread was? Like I was? Pastor Eddie loves to make sourdough bread. He makes like the best sourdough bread, homemade sourdough bread. And he brought it to our staff meeting this past week. And Zach ate everybody's share of the sourdough bread. There's probably like three to four extra pieces and Zach ate them all. Not like Jesus at all. But, but Jesus' bread, 
I believe when he broke it, it didn't take the form of the peace that he broke it with. When he broke it, I believe because he's the son of God and he has superpowers that it was hot bread. Every piece that he broke, it was hot. And you could smell the bread like when it came out of the oven. And as he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and his disciples were breaking it, that everybody could smell the bread as it was being broken. And there was 12 baskets left over. And when he made the wine, everybody said the wine was like the best wine they ever tasted. When he made the bread, it was probably really good, better than Komoda bakery butter roll bread. It was like awesome bread. So much so, we can read in chapter 6 of John that when Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, that there was multitudes waiting for him on the other side. And when they met him, they said, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So, so Jesus, he's, he's doing this in pieces. He says he's going to give, he changes the water to wine, then he meets the woman, she, he says, I have living water. And then with this bread thing, all these people are coming for the 12 baskets that they know are left over. And they're like, where's that bread? And he's like, you're coming for the bread, but I have bread that will last forever. And they're like, what? What, what kind of bread is this? And so he's trying to pivot people. He's trying to do two things. He's trying to reveal who he is, and he's trying to pivot people's appetites from the worldly miracles to the main miracle, the spiritual miracle of who he is. And so he said, don't desire the physical bread, there's a spiritual bread, and then he goes right to the point, and, he, and they say, um, what shall we do that we may know the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. And therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform that we may believe? We want to believe. We want to believe. What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He still hasn't said that he's bread, right? He said, my Father gives bread. But then he goes straight to the truth, and he, for the first time, reveals who he is. And, he, and they say, Lord, give us this bread. They still want bread. They think it's physical bread. And then Jesus says, I am. Everyone say, I am. I am. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And, and then he continues, and he says, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So he's like slowly revealing his identity to these Jews. He goes from turning water to wine, then saying that he has living water, then saying that he is the bread of life. 
and then he goes for the jugular and gets crazy. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. And then, so people are wanting that, and he's trying to pivot their appetite. He's trying to pivot their desire for miracles of this world to who he is as a person, knowing that the miracles of this world are temporary, but that the miracle of Jesus is eternal. And he's trying to get them to desire, desire him. And what was the masses' response? This is in chapter 6, verse 66. And it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Jesus was looking to reveal himself. And um, can you throw that one slide up, the next slide down? When you look at what Jesus, the parallels of Jesus as the Passover and what the Jews were practicing during Passover. Jesus enters, the, enters Jerusalem on a donkey, and it says that he enters on a donkey on the 10th day. Everyone say 10th. He enters on the 10th day. This is the exact same day that all the Jews are setting their lambs apart to be slaughtered, on the very same day. They have the Last Supper, and at the Last Supper, Jesus tells them in Luke twenty-two fifteen, he says, Then I said to them, then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus, being God, he didn't desire to eat the Passover just for a few weeks, a few months, or even a few years. Jesus, as God, desired to reveal himself in this identity reveal dinner for millennials. From the time that Israel came out of Egypt, all of this foreshadowing, the lamb that's a perfect lamb, that's slain by the whole house, that the blood would save the family from the angel of death, and that they would be freed from the slavery of Pharaoh, that was all foreshadowing of Jesus revealing himself, not just as the Son of God, but the Lamb of God, a Lamb that would be slain to not just forgive sin, but also to free us from the power of sin and heal us. Jesus said, I desire, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. And, and, and this, I believe this is, was the reveal. The same way that Zach 
shot his paintball gun, and poof, it was like pink. These words that Jesus spoke was the identity reveal to his disciples. Jesus said this, he said, and he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I believe that when Jesus did that, all these pictures came into their minds of Jesus breaking the bread at Galilee, giving thanks, breaking the bread, and feeding the multitudes. And then Jesus told the multitudes, you need to eat my body, you need to drink my blood, and they're starting to make the connection at this Last Supper. They're like, We're, we've been doing this Passover deal for centuries, and he's saying that he's the lamb, that the, the loaf that he's breaking is his body, and then the cup, when he takes the cup, the wine, they start remembering the miracles of the wine, of him saying, if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. And they're putting all these things together from the Passover that they've practiced all their lives and all these miracles that he slowly started opening and revealing who he was. And it's all coming together in this Passover feast. And he says, likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And so they start seeing him not just as the son of God, but they start remembering John the Baptist saying, behold, the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they're saying, this person that's with us, he does all these miracles because he wants us to know that he's the Son of God. But he's not just the Son of God. He's a Lamb of God. He's a perfect Lamb of God. That through his sacrifice, we find forgiveness of sin, victory over sin, healing of our wounds. And all of these things start coming together for them. It's so powerful. When I look at these things, there's a couple of things that... Can you go back to that slide? So, on the 14th day, four days of preparation... All of the Jews across Israel are now killing their perfect spotless lambs. And on the same exact day that Israel is killing these lambs, Jesus is being led to Calvary, crucified by the whole house of Israel who are yelling, let his blood be on us and our children. And he's being crucified by the whole house of Israel And they can't leave his body up there according to their tradition, so they take the body down before nightfall. Nothing is left for the night. They poke a hole in his side. They see the blood and water flow. They don't have to break his legs the same way that no bones can be broken, the Passover lamb. Three days he's in the tomb. And on the 18th day of the month, Israel is taking the first fruits of their early harvest and waving their early harvest before the Lord as the, the first fruits, the, the, the sheaf of first fruits before God thanking them for this harvest. And at the same time, the same day Jesus resurrects from the dead 
and presents himself before the Father as the firstborn among many brethren. Isn't that awesome? All of these things that, that the Jews practiced and Jesus revealed, I am the Lamb, but I'm also the Son of God, that we may know him in the, the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. Peter understood all of these principles. And in Peter, chap, could the worship team come up? We're going to close. Second Peter 3, 8 he said, I would that you would not be ignorant of these things, that a thousand days or a, a year, a thousand years is as a day to the Lord and a day as a thousand years. Right? This is really cool. You can go to the last slide. If you take the years between Adam and Abraham and you count the generations, it's 2,000 years. If you count the years between Abraham and Jesus, it's another 2,000 years. So altogether, how many years is that? 4,000 years. And Peter says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this one thing, that 1,000 years is a day and a day 1,000 years. How many days is that? Four days. The Lamb of God was set aside for four days before he was crucified. The perfect Lamb of God. All of these things Jesus revealed in, I think, the most elaborate identity reveal party dinner that history has ever seen. And now we take it for granted that he is the Lamb of God, that he is the Son of God that takes away the sin of the world. But he did it and he revealed it in a way that was something that only God himself could do. Amen? Amen. We're going to um, take communion this morning. If you take the this morning as we take communion I want you to meditate on one thing and that one thing is this bread is given to the many but his body is given to the few bread is given to the many but his body is given to the few he fed 5,000 people on the, on the hill of the Sea of Galilee. And then he gave the invitation to partake of my body and drink of my blood, and they left. He, he gave them bread, but it was the close disciples who went through the, the offense and the suffering and the confusion and not understanding everything. It was those disciples that were faithful to him that he revealed who he was and gave him his body. And you reveal who you are to only those that are close to you, right? You, you can be friends with a lot of people, but the intimacy of revealing the deepest parts of who you are, you only do that to close friends. And the privilege that we have as a church to partake of communion every Sunday, I mean, we can easily take it for granted but when he invites us to the table, he's inviting us to partake of his body and his blood with the understanding of who he is, the Son of God and the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God, we just thank you, Lord, that you 
have invited us to this table and that through this table that we have access to you. God, you are the answer for all of our problems. You have the wisdom that we need. You have the healing that our soul needs. You have the intimacy that our, our soul and our spirits desire and crave. God, we come before you thanking you so much for your body that was broken for us, that through your body that we can have healing for our souls. And for those that are sick, that we know, God, we pray that you would heal uh, their physical bodies, that you would heal uh, their spiritual as well. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. You can go ahead and take the bread. And in the same way, you told us to drink of the cup, that through the cup we have forgiveness of sin. God, we receive your forgiveness. God, I just pray for anyone who has regret, has shame, has guilt. Lord, you died for all of that. You've not just forgiven us, but you've cleansed us. You've washed us in your blood. And, and as you covered that demoniac after you healed him and cleansed him, you covered him. Lord, we, we receive from you this morning robes of righteousness that you clothe us with, that when the Father sees us, he doesn't see our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our sin. We thank you, God, that you see your son. You can go ahead and take the cup this morning. And Lord, we pray that as we've received forgiveness and healing from you, Lord, that you would use us as your instruments and your vessels to give that to those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Can we worship um, in this room? But God, that you would reveal yourself to our community, to our families. Lord, we pray that you would begin to, that your spirit would just hover over this island. Lord, that you would begin to open eyes spiritually. Lord, there is a hunger from the past several years of, of people searching for for meaning, searching for security, looking for a savior. And God, that's only found in you. So Lord, we, we surrender our lives to you this morning. And God, we ask that even as we sing about the Holy Spirit moving, Lord, that your spirit would move over our island, that it would move over our communities. Lord, that you would bring an awakening to this island, Lord. You said if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek your face. God, that you would hear from heaven, you would heal their land. God, we, we pray for our government, even as, as we're, we're doing voting, uh, Lord, that we would elect the right people, righteous people with the right values into office. God, we pray that you'd move throughout this state. And God, you would the same way that there was revival here hundreds of years ago and people came to know who you were, Lord, that we would see a new awakening, a new revival of many, many people coming to know who you are and use us. We surrender ourselves to be used by you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Can we give him a hand? Thank him for who he is. Amen.